You're listening to SBS News. On the first day of the year, Sydney's iconic New Year fireworks display was very different in 2022 to previous years. Sydney Harbour usually hosts one million people or more for the fireworks, but this year, amid a surge in COVID-19 infections, Sydney Lord Mayor Clover Moore said only 36,000 turned up. We're really pleased that so many people chose to stay home and and watch the broadcast. We're really pleased by um, the behaviour of those people who did come in. Uh, It it was a quiet night. Omicron emerged as the dominant variant of COVID-19 as the new year began and its surge affected January's Australian Open tennis tournament. Specifically, it affected international tennis icon Novak Djokovic. The world number one hoped to win a record 21st Grand Slam title, but his visa was cancelled and on arrival he was moved to Carlton's Park Hotel, where refugee advocates and tennis fans alike gathered and argued the merits of his case. Going on court, they can do a lot of things, you know. And Australia should be shamed. He, he donates 20-something million dollars a couple of years ago for bushfires. Where's other, other tennis players, tennis players? Or, or, but hang on, is six there other tennis players got exemptions. Why aren't they sent back home? Is that true Thank or you not? Australia for, for locking down like a refugee, like a criminal. He later won a court battle and was freed from immigration detention, but lost the next one with the federal court supporting the immigration minister's cancellation of his visa on public interest grounds to reduce the risk of fostering anti-vaccination sentiment. So he was deported and didn't play at the Open. But Ash Barty did and made history, becoming the second Indigenous player to win the tournament and the first Australian woman in 44 years to lift the trophy. I think as, as an Aussie, um, the most important part of this tournament is being able to share it with so many people and you guys today in the crowd have been nothing shy of exceptional. Ash Barty retired from tennis just a month later. Also in January, Australia passed an unwelcome new marker, recording more than 2 million coronavirus cases since the pandemic began. By the end of the month, Australia had recorded its highest daily total of COVID deaths, with 97 reported in the country. Queensland's Chief Health Officer John Gerrard had this to say. This is the peak, it's not the end. So there will still be people continuing to get this, many people. So we're only sort of like halfway through. It's not the end. So it's not too late to get that booster. A more welcome record was set when Dylan Alcott became 2022's Australian of the Year. The first time in the award's 62-year history that a person with disability was so recognised. The reason I get out of bed is, is not to win gold medals and grand slams. It's to change perception so... People like me, people with disabilities, get the opportunities they deserve. In February, the federal government reopened Australia's borders to fully vaccinated international visitors. And on February the 23rd, Australia imposed sanctions on Russia over its troop build-up on its border with Ukraine. Here's then Prime Minister Scott Morrison. We can't have some suggestion that Russia has some just case here that they're prosecuting. They're behaving like thugs and bullies, and they should be called out as thugs and bullies. Russia invaded Ukraine a day later. 
In March, wild weather across Queensland and New South Wales triggered severe and deadly flooding. After nine deaths, Queensland Premier Anastasia Palaszczuk issued this warning. The Bureau has advised us they can be life-threatening thunderstorms and it's going to be continuous for the next 24 to 48 hours. So the safest place for people is at home, off the roads. March was a grim month for cricket fans worldwide as iconic spinner Shane Warne died suddenly in Thailand. Australian captain Pat Cummins said the news left the team in a state of disbelief. Uh, there's so many guys in this team and squad who you know, still hold him as a hero, their all-time favourite player, and the loss that we're all trying to wrap our heads around is huge. And at the end of March, the federal government handed down its budget a month early, effectively laying out a coalition manifesto ahead of the federal election in May. By mid-April, the election campaign was officially underway. Meanwhile, the Reserve Bank came under increased pressure to lift interest rates after Australia's annual inflation rate climbed to its highest level in two decades, fuelled by rising petrol prices and housing costs. The consumer price index surged, taking the annual rate to 5.1%. In a bid to slow it in May, the Reserve Bank raised interest rates by 25 basis points, the first rate rise in 11 years. And by May 21st, Australia had a new government and Labor's Anthony Albanese became Australia's 31st Prime Minister. Together we can end the climate wars. Together we can fix the crisis in aged care. Together we can make full and equal opportunity for women a national economic and social priority. Together we can and will establish a National Anti-Corruption Commission. An early move from the new government enabled the Murugupan family, who lived in the Queensland town of Biloela for years before entering detention, to finally return home. Interim Home Affairs Minister Jim Chalmers broke the news to supporters. I've now spoken to the family uh, and, uh, and they've gone on through the processes at the Perth end. Um, and I really just wanted to ring you and tell you how much we appreciate uh, the way that you've uh, spoken up for this beautiful family. Early in June, Australia's Queen Elizabeth II celebrated 70 years on the British throne. Let it be known in proclaiming this tribute to Her Majesty the Queen on her Platinum Jubilee that we are one nation and one commonwealth. God save the Queen! But the celebrations turned to grief in September. We have some very important news. Buckingham Palace has just announced that Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II has died. June saw Australia's biggest interest rate rise in more than two decades, coinciding with sharply rising gas and electricity prices. And the Socceroos beat Peru to earn a spot in this year's FIFA World Cup. And the first of 2021 census results were released, showing Australia's becoming increasingly diverse, less religious, and its population has doubled in size over the last 50 years to 25.5 million. 
Prime Minister Anthony Albanese announced his government would move towards establishing an Indigenous voice to Parliament. Another 50 basis point rise in interest rates in August piled pressure on the new government as it tried to provide reassurance for households. Later in the month, Australia lost two beloved music icons. The lead vocalist of The Seekers, Judith Durham, died aged 79, her legacy spanning decades. Just days later, actor and singer Olivia Newton-John died in the United States, leaving her fans and the entertainment world around the globe in mourning. It was in August too that the Prime Minister sought legal advice following revelations his predecessor had been secretly sworn in to several ministerial portfolios. Australians knew during the election campaign that I was running a shadow ministry. What they didn't know was that Scott Morrison was running a shadow government. This is a sort of tin pot activity that we would ridicule if it was in a non-democratic country. September brought yet another interest rate rise, the fifth consecutive rise, leaving many people really struggling with daily living costs. But in better news, this happened. We have never been in a better position to end the pandemic. We're not there yet, but the end is in sight. That was World Health Organization's Dr. Tedros Ghebreyesus announcing a two-year record low mortality rate, the announcement heralding an easing of measures everywhere, despite continuing high infection rates. By mid-October, Australia had ended mandatory COVID-19 isolation rules. Then, as spring approached, Parts of New South Wales and Victoria flooded, then flooded again as severe storms lashed the southeast of the country. Medibank and Optus data breaches caused widespread consternation and concerns for customers' data. And then the Socceroos World Cup campaign began with a challenge, a four goals to one defeat to France in Qatar. But they beat Tunisia and then, surprisingly, Denmark, reaching the knockout stages of the World Cup for the first time since 2006. And there it is! Can you believe it? Written off too many times to remember, Australia has found a way! The Socceroos were ultimately beaten, but not disgraced by Argentina in the round of 16. Pride mixed with disappointment was the order of the day for those wearing green and gold, and for the man coaching them, Graham Arnold. I just hope that everyone back in Australia really respects what we've done and uh, are very proud of us as well. We took it to them. It could have been a happy finish to 2022, but the year's end was blighted by the horror of an ambush at a remote property west of Brisbane in Queensland. Six people were shot dead, two police officers, a member of the public, and three people alleged to be responsible for the deaths. Nikki Canning, SBS News.